Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to our church building for those who are able to be with us here in the building this morning. And welcome to you, who, if you are watching us online this morning as well. It's great to be able to worship God together, wherever we may be. And we do pray you would know God's love and his presence this morning. Well, today's the second Sunday in Advent, and um, each week leading up to Christmas, we're going to be focusing on a different aspect of Christ's coming. A different uh, Christmas gift, if you like. Uh, This week, it's that of light. And uh, Chris and Claire Bean, they're going to um, light the uh, the candle for us. If you'd like to come up, guys. Okay, prepare the way of the Lord. We light these candles as a sign of the coming light of Christ. Prepare the way, then, of the Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Father God, we thank you that Jesus came into this world as a saviour to bring light where there is darkness, healing where there is brokenness, and hope where there is despair. We thank you for the change that he's brought about in our lives, and we do pray this morning that where there is still darkness, you would shine your light that we in turn would reflect the light of Jesus into the world as we speak of him and through the way in which we live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, now we're going to have some prayers. Hilton McCann is going to lead us in our prayers before um, Lawrence Keel brings a reading to us from Isaiah 9 and John 1. Heavenly Father, we want to take this opportunity to pray and to praise you. Firstly, thank you for this time to enter into your immediate presence and to worship you with the angels in heaven as they cry out, worthy is the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, that you're prepared to listen to the prayers of your unworthy servants. We were reminded of the tax collector we read about in the Gospel of Luke who would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And like that, tax collector, we approach you in humility and in reverence. We worship you as Lord and Saviour, the light of the world, the altogether lovely one, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, and the fairest of ten thousand to our souls. You have told us that we should pray to you continuously and about everything. So, Lord, in response to your invitation, we take this opportunity to bring our petitions to you. In doing so, Father, we remind ourselves that we are in the presence of Almighty God and as sinners saved by grace, we acknowledge our unworthiness. That being so, we approach the throne of grace humbly and in awe, but in faith also, as you have instructed us. And we offer you our thanks for your immeasurable love, for your forbearance, and for saving grace that is available to all who call on your name. We acknowledge our sins of thought and of word and of deed, and we ask again for your forgiveness and for your mercy in the sure and certain knowledge that if we admit our sin and seek your forgiveness, that you will remove our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. We praise you, Almighty God. We realize, Lord, that as our faces differ, so also do our needs. 
But just now there is one particular need that we have in common with every other human being. And that's the need to eradicate the pandemic that has caused so much havoc globally. We thank you for recent news about the vaccines that have been discovered and for the imminent availability of one in the UK. Thank you, Lord, for making this possible. Meanwhile, Lord, we ask you to provide healing and comfort to all who are suffering, whether from this dreadful virus or otherwise. And at the same time, Father, we remember all doctors, nurses, carers, and all those who work in related fields and who skillfully and sacrificially continue to provide treatment and care to those who need it. We thank you for such people and we pray your blessing upon them. Heavenly Father, we want also to bring before you some of the needs of our church family. We want to pray especially for those of our brothers and sisters who have health needs. Lord, in your mercy, please touch all such and grant each one reassurance of your absolute love and of your presence. Lord, for all those grieving, please provide comfort and peace during what are long and difficult days. Grant them your peace, Heavenly Father. We pray for others who may be in need, but about whose need we are unaware. We know that you are aware, however, and we pray that each such person might know the power and reassurance of your love and receive the comfort their souls need. We're delighted, Lord, to have a number of missionaries connected to our church, not least because we know that outreach is a really significant part of the church's function. As ever, Lord, we want to pray for all the missionaries whom our church supports. Bless all our missionaries, we pray. Lastly, Father, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word today, wherever in this world it is faithfully and honestly preached to your honor and to your glory. In this respect, please help Colin as he presents your word to us. Help him to remember all that you have placed in his heart during his preparation. We pray also for your blessing on each one of us as we listen. Help us not only to hear, but to understand and to absorb the message that you have for each of us today as we ponder the significance of Jesus being the light of the world, bringing life to humankind. Thank you, Lord, for your endless patience and for your great love towards us. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from Isaiah 9 and the first two verses which tells of the coming of the Lord. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. And turning to the New Testament book of John. In the beginning, the, the, excuse me, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made through him. The word did not recognize him. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Let's just take a moment to pray together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have shown your love to us in sending your Son to us, the light of the world. We thank you that we have a hope now. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to respond to that hope. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us this morning afresh, that your word would penetrate our, our hearts, that we might live for you and love you more as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Wednesday was a really great day. Why was it such a great day? Well, it wasn't because Primark opened and you could buy your Christmas jumper, although that is good. It wasn't because the gyms were open, although for some that is good. But the big thing was the vaccine. The vaccine was approved in the UK, and as a result, it has given us much hope, you could say. There has been 40 million doses bought by the government, and very soon they will be distributed. And in a sense, it really is a glimmer of light. As we think about uh, the theme this, this morning about light, the gift of light. Because really, this year has been not an easy year by many standards. It has been a very dark and difficult year for many of us. You only have to look around from where I stand, where I stand to realize how difficult it is. To see that we have at times been unable to meet as a church family, unable to sing, um, and then out with church, you know, seeing loved ones, being able to embrace a loved one has been impossible if you're not in the same household. And then there's the challenge of loneliness, the challenge of anxiety, the challenge of, of stress, the unknown, certain, uncertain things that will happen in the future, the things that have happened so far and the results of that. Some of those things are very difficult things because it has been a very difficult and at times dark year. And the vaccine, in a sense, it points to the, the message of Advent, in a sense, because it gives us a little bit of hope, a little bit of light. But we are still waiting on that. We're still waiting on that to come in its fullness. Because we have this great hope in this vaccine, and yet still, it has still to be distributed. And as we think about Advent, Advent really means uh, coming or arriving. 
And that is pointing us ultimately to the Messiah and his coming and his arriving. In Advent, we, we think of it both remembering Jesus' first coming and then thinking of his second coming, his second arrival. That he would be the light in the dark to us, that he would provide some hope to us. And so as we think about that, as we think about light and hope this morning, we'll be looking at it just from three, I should say four perspectives. That is firstly, living in the dark. Secondly, the promise of the light. Thirdly, that the light enters the darkness. And then fourthly, living in the light. As we think about these things, darkness and light are certainly things which come up throughout the Bible. Uh, First off, at the very, very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And yet he also created them and they were formless and empty. And it speaks about the darkness hovering over the, the depths. So in a sense, there is God's created all things, and yet there, there is formlessness, and some people say there's a sense of chaos and disorder, and there is darkness. And then in verse 3, it speaks about <clears throat> the very famous verse, God said, let there be light, and there was light. It is his word that pushes out the darkness. His word which really pushes out the darkness. As we see that there in verse 3. And that really is the element that his word brings light. And so therefore, on the other side of that, when we refuse his word, when we don't receive his word, it means living in the dark. And that's really the context of Isaiah. Throughout much of the book of Isaiah, the first part especially, is really speaking about judgment. Let me read there, verse 19 to 22. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land where they are famished. They will become enraged and looking upwards will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. The book of Isaiah, written around between 740 BC and 680 BC, And as I mentioned, there is a big theme of darkness, a big theme of judgment. And why is that? Well, in the context, as we look back to chapter 7, there's King Ahaz, the king of Judah, who completely rejects the word of God. Isaiah says to him, will you receive, will you ask the Lord for a word to which he says, I will not. And the king of Judah is supposed to lead his people, supposed to be the king who represents the people. He refuses the word of God. And that, in a sense, is the warning that the people receive here. They receive this warning to not consult with spiritists who whisper and mutter or other mediums, other words, if you like. Because what's going to happen 
in the context is the Assyrian army is going to bring judgment. They are going to be an instrument of judgment that the Lord is bringing upon the northern kingdom in Israel and then the southern kingdom in Judah. They're going to come and destroy the people because of their rebellion, because they've rejected the word of the Lord. So really, this is a, this is a warning to the people. Turn back to the Lord. Trust in his word. Because there, in verse 21, um, if, you, if you don't do so, uh, the people who don't do so become enraged. They look upwards and they curse the king. They curse God. Isn't that really the case in our own lives when we see that perhaps lived out amongst people who reject the Lord in every way? They reject authority. They blame everyone in authority, especially the government, for example. And then they blame God in every possible way, cursing his name. And then it really speaks to the point that they actually have no hope, no real hope at all. Because in verse 22, They look towards the earth and they see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. For them, the element of judgment is the Assyrian army coming. The Assyrian army coming to destroy the people in Israel and Judah to be an instrument of judgment. But for us today to reject the word of the Lord, utter darkness as it speaks about throughout both Old and New Testament is hell it is a judgment which is eternal a casting into utter darkness to be thrust into utter darkness why is that well it's to it's it's there because we have rejected the lord he is not present there we reject him and so he thrusts us into utter darkness And really, why is that? Because in verse 20, it speaks about it there, doesn't it? It says, if anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. If they do not speak according to the word of God, then they have no light within them. Last year, I went uh, back home to Glasgow and a friend invited me to go to Glasgow Cathedral for a watch night service. And I was hesitant to go because I thought I would be more frustrated than encouraged. Um, and I was, unfortunately. I went at uh, 11.30, so everyone's packed in, everyone from all over the city, in a massive cathedral. There wasn't even a seat in the place. Everyone's even standing at the back. There must have been a thousand people there easily. And so you're sitting there and the minister stands up. He has nine minutes to tell us one message to a a church building full of people. And what will he say? And he says, in the light of Christmas, why don't we just be good to one another? Just be good to one another. And that is really sad because it displays that he has no light of dawn. That there is no word of God in his life. And all those who embrace that, all those who live like that, have no light of dawn. There is only darkness and hopelessness in their life. And that is the weightiness of what happens when we reject the word of God. When we reject it, we are living in the dark but there is also a promise 
That is the promise of the light. In verse 1 and 2, as we heard read there in chapter 9, it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Verse 1 there, nevertheless, nevertheless, despite the fact that the king and the people have rejected the word of God, nevertheless, the Lord will show mercy. He will show mercy. He will show mercy to these two specific places, uh, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, because they're in the northern kingdom in Israel, where the Assyrians would have come down to judge uh, Israel first and the harshest. And so there's even hope for them. There's a sense in which, despite their rebellion, despite their running away from the Lord and rejection of his word, the Lord will show his mercy. And how will he do so? Well, he speaks about that in verse 2, about a light. Not just coming, but a darkness. The, the, the darkness has been pushed back because they have seen a great light. And they, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It is that God is speaking to Isaiah and telling him, this is not only what will happen, but it is so sure it's as if it already has happened. Because Israel were to place their promise, place their trust in the Lord. That's how they came to be saved. They placed their trust in the covenantal promises of the Lord. And Israel were supposed to be a representation of God. They were supposed to be light to the nations. But if you read any of the Old Testament, you'd realize that Israel failed in that. They're supposed to be light, and they end up being darkness. They're supposed to live out the, the reality of being God's people, and yet they reject it more often than not. Because they needed to keep the law. They were supposed to keep the law as his people, his covenantal people, and live in that way to live as light to the nations. But they they needed to do that, but they broke the law continually. And so it really points to the need of one who would do that, to the Messiah who would come. Because without the Messiah, without God, there is no light. But perhaps there would be people, maybe you're one of those this morning, that would push, push back on that and say, well, do I really need God in my life? Do I really need God? Because we are the enlightened people, aren't we? We are the enlightened people. But is it enlightenment or is it more in darkenment? In what we live in today, what is postmodernism, people speak about truth in a manner that is flexible, that is fluid, to say, well, you have your light and I have mine. We all have some kind of light within us. But the problem with that is, because there is no absolute, then nobody knows what light really is. And everyone's looking for this light from within themselves. They all have this type of light within themselves. Perhaps the other response would be, well, actually, the, we don't really need God in our lives. What we need is more education. 
We need to be educated people better. We need to be educated better in our lives. Or perhaps the the response is science, that science is the answer to all of our problems. If we just know how how things work in the universe, then things will work. But the only problem with that is if we get God out of the picture, then we have no absolute truth. And therefore, how do we live our lives morally? How do we do anything in any way that makes sense? It makes no sense. And so people who say one day they are a man and the next day they are a woman can easily change because there is no absolute truth. It depends upon what I say and what you say. And so people who say they are enlightened people are often endarkened people because it speaks about that in Romans. It says in Romans 1, For although they knew God, that is, they knew about God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And that's the challenge of people that reject the Lord, who reject God in their lives. They claim to be wise. They claim to be enlightened people. And yet often the folly is clear to see. The folly is clear to see, both in their lives and in the things that they say. Because we need a light in our lives, and that light has to come from outside us, not from within us. And that really speaks about the light that enters the darkness, the promise of the light. As it says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As we see, there's a a real parallel between Genesis 1 and John 1. In the beginning. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was the Word. He was with God in the beginning. We see that Jesus was there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit hovering over the depths in the beginning and jesus is the word who is the word the word is the one who was life and that life was the light of all mankind because ultimately light defeats the darkness the darkness has not overcome it jesus is the light that comes into the world and the darkness has not overcome it Because ultimately, Jesus is that light, as he speaks about later in the Gospel of John, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But the challenge for us as people is that often we don't really want to walk in the light. We don't want to turn to the light. We'd rather much easier turn to the dark. When people ask us, you know, why is there such evil in the world? One of those responses is our sin, our own darkness in our own hearts. If we're given the choice between bad and good, light and darkness, we often choose 
the darkness. Left to ourselves, we would not choose the good in us. We would choose the darkness. But Jesus gives us real hope, doesn't he? Because he is the one who is the light, and yet the light is extinguished on the cross. The light is extinguished because the darkness falls on our Lord Jesus on the cross. Full judgment falls on him on the cross. So that our darkness, all of our sins, might not rest on us, but be given over to him. That he would be able to bear the full weight of our sin upon the cross. But he doesn't just remain there. Because light defeats the darkness. And three days later he is, ra- he, raises, he is raised from the dead. That we might have hope. That we might live in the light. Because the word of light conquers darkness. The word of light conquers darkness. In the past week I was looking at some, some articles on depression. And there's a, a biblical counselor, a man called uh, Ed Welch, who's really excellent. So if you're ever looking at articles on anxiety or depression, Ed Welch is an excellent uh, resource to go to. He speaks about a depression and he speaks about it in the sense of calling it a, a stubborn darkness. A stubborn darkness. He speaks about his father, his experience growing up as a child, and how his father was hospitalized with uh, depression. The challenge that that was was to both his father and obviously his family. His father really struggled with guilt and a sense of failure that he was never enough. He said he explained it as if that he was he was wearing an armor of sadness, and that all the words that people gave would bounce off like rubber bullets. That this armor that he carried was both weighty and protected him or resisted any, any truth, any words that were given to him, any speech that was of any kind of hope. And he recommend, he recommended and recommends that how do we pierce that armor? How do we pierce that armor when we see people, when we perhaps experience depression ourselves, this kind of stubborn darkness? Well, he speaks about it in the sense of just speaking to God from our heart. It might sound very simple, but actually he's saying, encouraging us to speak from the Psalms. The Psalms speak of darkness quite often, that we might be able to speak light into our darkness, that we might be able to pour light into the darkness of our soul, that we might be able to have hope in the darkness, because the word of light conquers darkness and that really speaks of what it means to be living in the light firstly though we have to believe in the light don't we John 12 verse 36 speaks about it like this Jesus saying believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light Jesus speaking to his disciples before he goes to the cross and is raised but he speaks to us this morning today to call us to himself that we may be able to experience that light as we turn from the darkness 
and turn to him who is light, that we might become his children and that we might have hope because his light shines in the darkness. And that really means that we become his children. As it says later in the, in the New Testament, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. That is to say, now when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in the light and we are all children of the light. Not we, we try and work up to, but we are children of the light. That's a wonderful truth to know that Jesus, by his spirit, lives in us and shines out of our lives. Shines the light of the Lord in our lives by his spirit. And he shines out of our lives as we speak of the light. As we speak of who he is in giving us life and light. He brings, in that sense, as it is in Genesis as well, he brings order out of chaos and he brings light to our darkness. He brings real hope to a darkened world. That we do not belong to the darkness anymore. That we have no longer any part to play in that. We are no longer part of the darkness and we renounce it. We reject it because we are children of the light. And so we are called, therefore, to live like that, to live as children of the light and to reject darkness. And so that when darkness calls to us, alluring us in, we have to speak light into the darkness. When we are thinking despairing thoughts, we have to speak words of hope into those despairing thoughts. When we have anxious thoughts, we are to speak words of the fact that we trust in the Lord. When we have feeling of being abandoned, we know that the Lord will never abandon us because we are his children. When we feel guilty of the sins that we've committed, we realize that Jesus paid our guilt in full. When we feel like we are suffering, we realize that Jesus has suffered in full on the cross, that he was he was punished in our place he took the full darkness of our sin that we might enjoy the light that we have as his children because we live as children of the light we have hope just as we as I close I just think of um, just what we've been reading as a, as a church fixated by Tim Chester just in the Advent series and on day four it has an excellent piece just at the end of the chapter which speaks about the hope that we have in Jesus. Chester says, Today Jesus is still the powerful word who sustains all things. Just as he once brought order from chaos, fullness from emptiness, and light from darkness, so he continues to sustain order against chaos, fullness against emptiness, and light against darkness. And Jesus sustains his people. Jesus speaks to you through his word to order your chaos, to fill your emptiness, and to lighten your darkness. As children of the light, we live in the light that we might enjoy it. Because we have the spirit of God that testifies that we are his children. Children of the light. Three pieces just to reflect on as we close. 
Do you know the light of the world this morning? Do you know him? Have you repented and turned from the darkness and embraced the light of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you delighting in and speaking of the light? If you're in the Lord, if you're in the light, are you dwelling on, delighting in, speaking of that light, speaking to others, speaking to yourself of that light? And thirdly, in what way will the light bring order to your life? How is it that in some sense the Lord brings us out of chaos, brings us out of darkness and into light? How will that change your life maybe this week or maybe even as you plan for the year ahead? How is it that Jesus by his spirit in our lives brings order? What will that look like to you? I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to leave a minute or two just to reflect upon these things as we close in the final song. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the fact that you have shone the light in our hearts as you have sent your Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ to, to take the full darkness of our sin upon the cross that he might be raised to new life and give us the spirit which testifies that we are your children, children of the light. Help us, Lord, to live in the light, to renounce darkness, to speak of the light, to speak of the hope we have in Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live a life which reflects that, which reflects order and not chaos, which reflects the fact that we have a hope. We have a hope because Jesus is risen. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our service this morning. Can I just say, if you are feeling like you're, you are struggling in the darkness, that uh, life is tough, and you'd like to know what it means to, to walk in the light, to know Jesus Christ, believe in him, and uh, I'd like to know more, do please uh, come and have a word with us, with Colin and myself. I'd be very pleased um, to, to tell you more about what it means to to know Jesus as the light of the world. Let's close now in prayer. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father God, we do thank you that Jesus did come into this dark world. He came to, to bring light, to shine light into our darkness. And we thank you that as we believe in him, we can become children of the light. We thank you that the light has overcome the darkness. So Lord, as we go from here this week, we do pray that we would walk in the light. We pray that we would reflect your light into this world, that people would see our deeds and they would glorify you. Lord, may all we do, all we say, point to you into the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.